following podcast is scheduled for one fall with a 60-minute time limit. Coming to the microphone, hailing from Hayes, North Carolina, Playboy Brian Brickhouse and his podcast partner, hailing from the Ozark Mountains, J.T. Hall. Together, they are known as Take Four Wrestling. This is Take Four Wrestling episode eight. It's episode eight. We've been doing this uh, for eight episodes now. I guess actually, I guess technically, we've been doing this for seven, and this is the start of our eight. Actually, I th- this would be number ten if we counted the ones we lost. But we re-recorded those. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. I am Brian Kilby, and I am joined by the defender of children's virtue, JT Hogg. Boo! How's it going? Not too bad. How are you doing today, Brian? I'm tongue-tied. Hopefully this delicious uh, Pepsi Max will help uh, alleviate the situation, but right now I'm just having a hard time speaking English. I'm drinking a Diet Dr. Cherry, or Dr. Pepper Cherry. Uh, So... God, I, I love gas stations. I, if anybody listens or follows me on Twitter or Facebook or listens to any other of the podcasts that I do, they they know that I love gas stations. I lo- I love Sheets, but the nearest Sheets is eh, fifteen minutes from here. When I have like a quick trip, that's like five minutes down the road. So I went there today and I had a delicious um, Diet Dr Pepper with just a hint of cherry, and it was amazing. Oh, they have one of those uh, special pop machines, don't they? No, it's just uh, it's just a series of uh, fountains. Oh. They just have a wide selection. And the thing is, it's like their stuff is good, and it's so good that it, it just I don't even go to uh, go to Sonic anymore. I just go there. Well, my closest Sheets is about forty five minutes away. Oh yeah, well yeah, I've got you beat there. <laughs> we don't have many Sheets in Ohio. No, but you have some. That's what that's what's important. Yeah, I usually uh, I usually stop at Sheets on the way home from uh, wrestling events. When I uh, wrestle in West Virginia, I usually there's like a, a Sheets down the highway that I always stop at the same one. Which one? Uh, I mean, I've probably been there. Uh, it's in the uh, Cambridge area, Cambridge, Ohio. I prob- I've probably been oh. there. So my wife and I not I wouldn't have gone on that trip, but we went to a wedding. Oh, about 12 years ago. No, it wasn't 12 years ago. Brian, you're an idiot. It's about seven <laughs> years ago. I'm just adding time. Uh, my friend uh, Mike and Liz got married, and it was in Connecticut. So instead of uh, flying like everybody else, we drove and we stopped. Not by every sheets, but nearly every sheets, because we planned the trip around them. <laughs> Play. Did you look it up on, uh, like, uh, map, uh, Google Maps? I, we, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what we did. <laughs> I do that with uh, Toys R Us and uh, Family Dollars sometimes. Uh, I, man, I, I don't do it with Toys R Us because they're so depressing. <laughs> I just don't, I normally don't go into a Toys R Us because I, I go in and I find nothing that I want. And we collect toys. If if uh, people out there are like, why do these why do these guys go to Toys R Us? It's because uh, we are toy collectors. That's why we actually know each other. That is true. That is true. Yeah. That's true. Okay. 
On this week's episode of uh, Take for Wrestling, we're going to talk about Global Wrestling Federation's USWA Challenge from September 10th, 1990. But before that, we have our gimmick of the week, and this is one of my favorites. Uh, JT, tell us, tell us about this week's gimmick. This gimmick of the week has one of the greatest uh, wrestling theme songs of all time. Oh, yeah. And that is the Mountie Jacques Rougeau. Yeah, I as a kid, I loved the Mountie. I don't know why. I I actually, I guess, I guess as a kid, I was a Hill fan because the Mountie was one of my favorites. Yeah, even yeah, I was mostly fans of Faces, but there was just something about the Mountie. Uh, I he was just awesome. Everything he did was funny. He was a uh, he was a very funny heel. Did you recognize him as a kid from the Rougeau brothers? No, absolutely not. <laughs> I, I I remembered the Rougeau brothers, but no, I like uh, there were I can't think of a single wrestler that I actually knew that had transferred from one gimmick to the other. I I don't I don't think I ever picked up on anything except for probably the Undertaker. I knew the Undertaker was uh, Mark Callis from watching uh, uh, NWA, uh, but it, that that was it. He must have died in between from NWA. Yes, yeah, something like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, he. Uh, I recognized um, actually. I recognized the Repo Man from being yeah, you sm- have. Uh, you, Smash. I, I get that. I, I didn't. It was his tattoo. I wasn't that smart. Well, I, I remember the wrestling. Fi- I had the uh, Smash Hasbro wrestling figure, and then I had mm-hmm. the Repo Man wrestling figure, and they both had the tattoos. And I was nice. like, "Wait a minute!" And I put two and two together. That's funny. <laughs> but, Tell us about the Mountie. Uh, well, um, he started off, obviously, as Jacques Rougeau from the Rougeau brothers. And um, then he left the WWF after that and came back repackaged as the man of the law in, in Canada. Uh, at first, he didn't have the catchy theme song. He had just kind of a generic, almost like a um, if they were doing a Canadian tourism video music. Yeah. And uh, he would come out. Uh, he started using a, a cattle prod to shock his opponents. And that's probably where he got his most famous victory over Bret Hart and winning the tag team, uh, or not the tag team, but the Intercontinental Championship from Bret Hart because the man, uh, or Bret Hart had had a, what was it, 107 degree fever, he said. Was it? It was something like that. I think Bret Hart just didn't want to do the job, and that's how they talked him into it, by saying he had a fever. But um, he uh, made his in-ring debut in 1991 and uh, had some had – a lot, he had some pretty high-profile matches when he first started. And um, he was in the Survival Series uh, – 19. I think that was Survivor Series 91 – where he teamed with Ric Flair and Ted DiBiase and the Warlord, and uh, they wrestled Roddy Piper, Bret Hart, Virgil, and Davey Boy Smith. And that was a great Survivor Series match, a very star-studded one. But, um, yeah, he beat Bret Hart, and um, then about, I think it was two or three days later, he lost to Roddy Piper for the Intercontinental title. And he was the uh, shortest Intercontinental heavyweight champion for a long time, but um, I don't think he really ever gained his seriousness back after that. 
of course he didn't have much seriousness after before that but um his fa- i think one of my favorite moments with the mountie was when he wrestled big boss man at uh SummerSlam and the loser went to jail do you recall that match at all i do and uh i remember the uh police took him <laughs> they when they were booking him and everything they're like we need your finger he's like you want to see the finger? And he like oh. flipped him off and then they took his finger and put it down. <laughs> when they locked him up in the jail and that, that guy, that big giant biker guy comes up. He's like, wouldn't, don't you just love how leather feels against your body? Oh, God. <laughs> he's like, get me out of here. But uh, yeah. I, I, when, was, when was that? What year? 94? Uh, that had to have been probably 93. That just seems a little edgy for what would have been going on <laughs> because that that was before raw right well actually uh that would have actually been uh concurrent with raw because i would not expect to see something like that on superstars or whatever the saturday morning show oh, was. yeah but yeah that was i remember watching that that was absolutely hilarious of course i think i was probably 10 or 11 so i'd probably just found out what the finger meant yeah and i don't know if i would have got the leather against the body joke like what's he mean by that i guess leather does feel good i mean i knew the the finger was a crude gesture i (laughs) I didn't know exactly what it meant yeah i knew i couldn't do it yeah get in trouble any anything else uh, about the mountie that we should know about um well he did make a little bit of a comeback um as the uh quebecers where they were came out to the wonderful theme song were not the mounties I think uh, Jacques Rougeau is known uh, for probably having some of the best theme music out of anybody. Because even the Rougeau's Brothers theme was pretty cool. And uh, they talked smack to Americans in um, French during that song. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, the uh, where they, they talk when they speak French or say it's something like stupid Americans don't even understand we're making fun of them. <laughs> How, how did you find that out? Uh, he talked about it in a, uh, in a shoot interview. He was talking about when they recorded the lines for it. And um, he also, did you know that he beat uh, Hulk Hogan in WCW? Really? It was his uh, retirement match. And um, Hulk Hogan did the job for him on a, uh, wow. it was, a, of course, not televised. But it was in uh, Montreal, and it was his uh, big retirement match in 97. It was when uh, Hulk Hogan was doing Hollywood Hogan, and uh, the crowd just went crazy. You got to uh, look that video up because it's pretty cool. That's cool. And he was also responsible for training the current uh, WWE Universal Champion, Kevin Steen. Really? Uh Uh-huh. Cool. That's interesting. So there you go. That awesome. he's he's uh, very influential, and he knocked the teeth out of Dynamite Kid. Really? <laughs> he was holy crap! I didn't know that. Yeah, he was talking about that on um, one of his shoot interviews. He, uh, I guess, the Bulldogs were always messing around, messing with the Rougeau brothers, mm-hmm. and uh, one time uh, Jacques just had enough and took a roll of quarters and put it in his fist and uh, snuck up behind him and just nailed him with uh with the quarters in his in his uh fists and he's he said he was terrified because when he hit dynamite kid dynamite kid didn't really sell it too much Mm -hmm. he just turned around and looked at him and spit out his teeth 
and just uh, glared at him. So uh, wow. he got out of there. And he said the reason why he did it because the Bulldogs were going overseas for a couple months. And by the time they got back, the Rougeos are going to be out of their contract and gone. So yeah. they wouldn't see him again. <laughs> but uh, so that's a, uh, he's uh, pretty interesting. If you ever come across one of his uh, shoot interviews, I definitely l- listen or watch it. Cause he had okay. a pretty interesting career. And there's also supposedly he had ties to the French Canadian mafia. That's what some people said too. That's interesting. I didn't know there was a French Canadian mafia, but they're probably very polite. Yeah. True. Okay. So let's jump to this week's uh, wrestling show, which was Global Force Wrestling's USWA Challenge, September 10th, 1990. Now, when I suggested this, it was a total shot in the dark. Uh, I had watched uh, some of uh, USWA from back in the day, and, um, you know, I enjoyed it. Of course, that was a long time ago. And I didn't remember much about it, uh, but I, you know, I'm like, heck, let's. This has to be pretty good. Uh, I think we got some interesting stuff on, on the show, but not necessarily the most engaging wrestling hour that I've ever watched. Yeah, it was a pretty. It was it was pretty uh, weak on the wrestling, but that's just that's just how it was. It kind of reminded me of a uh, almost like a superstars episode. Yeah. So whenever we uh, visit one of these uh, shows, we're always going to find uh, ourselves like, you know, mid uh, feud or mid storyline uh, with whatever's going on at the time. So uh, keep that in mind. And a lot of times, sometimes we'll know what's going on. Sometimes we don't. <laughs> I, I have no idea what's going on on this. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, and they didn't explain much. So. so the first match was Billy Joe Travis in a double pole match. Basically, for some musical instruments. Versus, <laughs> I was versus about a, that. Yeah, versus a guy who climbs coconut trees. They they had like they had to make the point that he climbs coconut trees before they could actually give his name. But of course, when they name when they give the name, it makes sense. His name is Tim Tall Tree. <laughs> yeah, from the West Indies. Yeah, I uh, I looked I, I I looked him up on um, Wikipedia, and I could not find much. But um, he did put a, an arm bar on the wrong side, so I imagine he was pretty green at that point. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the he was uh, fill, he was supposedly filling in for the Angel of Death. Yeah. And he was uh, taking on uh, Billy Joe Travis, which was unfortunate. Both uh, Billy Joe Travis and the Angel of Death have passed away pretty early. Yeah. I've heard of I've heard Billy Joe Travis's name before, and the Angel of Death looked familiar. Yeah, where would I know them from? Uh, Billy Joe Travis he uh, he did a lot of global wrestling, I think, because mm-hmm. I honestly I knew the name and kind of the look, but I couldn't re- quite remember. And there's not really a lot on him on like Wikipedia, but he basically just did a lot of USWA and like global and all those places. Kind of stayed in that area. Now the Angel of Death, he did do some um, WCW matches. Mm-hmm. His uh, he was actually the first Black Scorpion. Really? But of course, they never revealed it. But he was he was under the hood as the Black Scorpion. And of course, it was still it was what Oli doing the the voice. Yeah, yeah, Oli. Uh, uh, I actually just watched a shoot interview on that uh, Oli talking about the Black Scorpion. 
Oh, really? <laughs> he had, they they had no idea when they started who the Black Scorpion was going to be. And it made no sense yeah. when, when they revealed it. And uh, well, He, he said it wasn't his fault that they revealed it like, uh, as Ric Flair because that was Dusty's fault. And, of course, Dusty doesn't know anything about booking. So that's... Oh, yeah, Dusty knows nothing <laughs> about booking. Have you ever listened to an Ole Anderson shoot video, not to go off on a tangent? I mean, he. I mean, he's better. Oh, right? he's yeah, he's hilarious. Like they ask him about like Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan. They're they're, they're not the best. They're nothing. They didn't make a dime <laughs> in this business. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> he says he was like, I put the title, uh, the heavyweight title on Ric Flair, so I could get rid of him. He was awful. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, holy, come on, man. Are you still working us after all these yes, years? He he's still healed. He. But yeah, look look some of his stuff up. I I want to see his um, shoot interview with Ricky Morton on uh, I think it's Kayfabe commentaries. It sounds hilarious. Okay, because Ricky Ricky Morton calls. He's like, man, you're you're still a Riley old old son of a bitch, aren't you? <laughs> but yeah, it it sounds like a sounds like a lot of fun because he's he's interesting to listen to. But I don't take much of what he says with a grain of salt but yeah i mean a lot of guys still try to work uh, work the crowd it, it is i mean it's entertaining yeah. but it is kind of hard to get anything out of what they're saying well i noticed roddy piper was really like that like on his biographies and stuff you you could tell that he wasn't he was still working yeah he wasn't he, he either wasn't comfortable with kayfabe being gone <laughs> or he just he, he, he was just working a gimmick yeah but uh, back to our stunning epic match of Billy Joe Travis with Tim Talltree. Um, yeah, the Tim Talltree. That was he was a weird guy. That was a that was an odd worker. Uh, I also noticed that the uh, one announcer, because the one announcer was uh, Percy Pringle, which of course was Paul Bearer. Of course, yeah, that was pretty great. Uh, the other guy sounded like the cat from uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Did you notice mm-hmm. that? Uh, no, I didn't <laughs> notice that. But I don't know how I know that, but I never watched. I, of course, never watched Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> uh, let's see here. What happened next? It was uh, Bill Dundee, and I have no idea who sens- uh, sensational Stephen Dane was, uh, versus the RPMs. But it was good to see Bill. Uh, it was good to see Bill Dundee. Because, I mean, I, I know uh, – of course, when it comes to like Memphis and everything, uh, he was he was uh, he was the man. He was a big deal. Yeah, he was a big deal. Yeah, I noticed um, when they at the begin the top of the show they did a, a promo with Bill Dundee. They should have had him standing on a box or something next to the interviewer. It, it's kind of funny. I was watching <laughs> uh, I was watching uh, Jerry Lawler wrestle Ric Flair from eighty yeah, two or something, and when Rick was talking about the Memphis area. He had mentioned Bill Dundee, and basically the only thing he really said about him was how short he was. Yeah, that's what my uh, my uncle always called him—the Mad Midget. That's yeah, because <laughs> my uncle did do a lot of work down there. But uh, yeah, he's he's a short guy. Uh, I was listening to uh, Jim Cornette was talking about Bill Dundee and said that if he'd have been th- uh, three or four inches taller, he would have been a huge, huge star. Yeah, and. Um, he did a lot of really cool uh, during their match with the RPMs. He did a lot of cool comedy spots, which I I liked. Uh, like I liked the spot where they were. He would whip the guy off, told him to hold it, 
and then punch him in the face. Then the other guy would whip him off the ropes, tell him to hold it. But Bill Dundee punched him in the face before he could punch him in the face. <laughs> and, of course, they did the rowboat spot, the famous rowboat spot. But, uh, yeah, I couldn't find much on uh, Stephen Dane or the RPMs. No. The uh, rock and roll RPMs are kind of like the uh, evil and kind of ugly version of the Rock and Roll Express. Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> I kind of get that, yeah. But, uh it wasn't a bad match. It was. I thought. It was. I thought like what I thought was the, was the problem was most of these matches were too long for what they were. Like uh, even with uh, Billy Joe Travis against um, Tim Talltree, he shouldn't have had that much trouble with that guy. And yeah. it seemed like I know the probably the rock and roll RPMs were probably a little bit higher up on the card, but Stephen Dane and Bill Dundee probably should have went through them a little faster, or maybe had to be. I don't. But of course, I don't know how how big these guys were because I wasn't really around for this era, but, uh, it was, it was a fun match. Uh, all the match, like the crowd was into all these matches. It seemed like, so that's really, really the big thing that matters. Cause it's hard to uh, go back. What? 20 some years later and, and, uh, judge like the, what it would have been like to watch these matches on television. Mm-hmm. But they did do a cool, uh, the fire the had the fireball spot with Jeff Jarrett where he got his face burnt. That's pretty awesome. With uh, they when they went back and uh, showed Skandar Akbar with the uh, throwing the fireball in Jeff Jarrett's face, which uh, Jeff Jarrett had the big old uh, burn mark on the side of his face. You don't get that uh, spot often enough anymore oh no i love the fireball spot it's i mean not that it should be used liberally but once in a while it's pretty great oh yeah yeah that's a that's a great old-fashioned fireball spot so uh for like my friend jason and i we've we've been talking a couple of years about how in real life you don't have heel turns uh, it's like you don't at work you don't uh just all of a sudden you know go from a face to a heel uh and do things to get heat at work because of course you get fired but <laughs> i but uh yeah, well, yeah, true. You do, <laughs> but but at uh, but for Christmas, uh, I put together a heel turn kit, uh, and one of the things included in the in the kit was uh, some flash paper and uh, the lighter, th- the palm lighter thing that you use to ignite it, so he could do fireballs. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I don't know that he's actually uh, thrown one yet, but uh, <laughs> uh, I did, like it. It included fake money, like uh, hundred dollar bills that looked real. Um, it included uh, uh, blood, stage blood. I don't expect him to blade, but you know it'd be pretty awesome to just put a that work one day. <laughs> yeah, I should I should have put a blade in there, but uh, yeah, I threw together a heel turn kit. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I uh I've used the fireball trick like once and I really it was it was really cool. Uh it's I I saw uh, Sabu do it to a guy and he didn't even tell him about it. Oh wow. <laughs> and the guy's wife was really mad cuz he, uh, he got his eyebrows burned off. I burned my eyebrows off before. <laughs> yeah, the fireball. That would be great to just if somebody's messing with you at work just walk up to him and just throw a fireball in their face. I would get so fired. <laughs> Okay, so the last match, it was a 
kind of a fun mixed gender cage match, which I didn't expect, yeah. with a uh, stipulation of uh, Percy Pringle being in the penalty box, which is a little uh, cage that was off to the side. It was uh, Chris Adams uh, and Chris Von Erich. Um, actually, I guess it was Chris Adams and S- Steve Austin with uh, Jeannie, which was uh, Steve's. Actually, Steve married her. And, um, oh gosh, who was the person that was with Chris Adams? Um, I, I cannot remember. Was it, was it precious? Uh, was it, I don't think it was precious. Was it? I, I don't, I, I, I did, I didn't, I didn't make note and shame on me for that. Well, I didn't catch the, I, I remember specifically waiting to catch their names and I couldn't hear. So like the, the second woman that was with Chris Adams, I don't think, I don't know if they ever said her name or not, honestly, but, uh, yeah, it was uh, Janie and uh, – let's say Janie. That sounds good. Yeah. But, um, yeah, let's just call her Janie. <laughs> I think she's Janie actually Joe. the one that came up with Stone Cold Steve Austin, if I remember right. Because I think that woman that was with Chris Adams actually left and went with Austin and married. Uh, Jeannie, well, Janie was the one that he married. Oh, was it Janie? The one that was with Steve on the show. Oh, okay. I thought it was the one with the British accent. She was that was the one with the British accent. Oh. That she was she had been Chris Adams' valet slash girlfriend or whatever. Okay, and girlfriend, but Steve Austin married her. I was confused. Uh, the girls both look like they were uh, from workout videos, so I couldn't tell them apart. Well, well, so uh, so the one who came out with Chris Adams had the leotard, like the blue <laughs> black one, and Jeannie was the one. I think she was wearing white, but yeah, yeah. she's uh, she she was she was British. Okay. And that was, uh, that was, yeah, that was, she came up with the Stone Cold gimmick. Drink your tea. Yeah, before it gets Stone Cold. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was a fundamentally sound match for what it was. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I, nothing, I mean, nothing to write home about, but it was, it was pretty fun. It, it made, it was worth watching. And it was a chance to see, um, like, once it was over to see Percy basically get mauled by Chris Adams and Chris Von Eric. It was like they were almost playing heel. They were uh, so rough on it. Yeah, that was uh, I, I that jarred me a little bit as uh, being a little overly violent. Of course, we don't know what poor Percy Pringle did to the people, but this is true. But uh, yeah, it was uh, I I liked how short the cage was. It was interesting to see how short of a, a cage they had up around the ring. It looked like maybe it was like eight feet tall, maybe. And um, Chris, uh, Chris Von Erich, I loved his hair. There's a uh, there's a guy I work with that still has that hair today, the Chris Von Erich haircut. Like it was all, really, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I started laughing as soon as I saw that because that guy, because I've that guy's whenever he he works on our third shift, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I doubt he's going to listen, but, uh, he comes in and, um, he's got that same exact haircut with like the, it's almost like a, like a perm with a ponytail. Like what? I need, I need one of those. <laughs> yeah. We, we shall get like that. So, but overall the match, what, anything stand out to you? Uh, it was just a good solid match. I mean, the, the crowd absolutely was into it. Oh yeah, that's true. They were going nuts. Uh, I really enjoyed Paul Bear's commentary through the whole show, and it was really lacking when he wasn't there. Yeah, yeah, he was definitely like he was talking about how his lawyers were going to keep him out of the cage, and then they they came and just threw him in the cage very violently. 
and then beat the crap out of him afterwards. But uh, it was cool seeing uh, Steve Austin in his early days because really the Steve Austin everybody knows wasn't the 100% healthy Steve Austin. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, most most people saw Steve's work after he had been injured, after his spine had been fused. Yeah. And Steve was a great wrestler. I mean, he was um, – I mean, he's not, you know, he's not, he wouldn't be considered an all-time great when it comes to, like, his work, but he was definitely a technician, uh, and he could put on some great matches. Yeah, yeah, he was definitely on his ball, and uh, Chris Adams was, I think Chris Adams was pretty good, too. Oh, yeah, and Chris uh, trained Steve, right? Yeah. I believe he did. Yeah. I think so. Uh, Chris Adams, I didn't really have much of exposure with initially. Um, I remember him from his later WCW run, which I think was right before he might have. Uh... He got shot, didn't he? Did he? I I, I don't yeah. remember what happened. To yeah, him. he got shot. Um, and then, um, yeah, that whole the whole Von Erich thing's just awful. But oh, yeah. uh, that I think the whole world class was just kind of it seemed like it was cursed almost. But uh, yeah, he. Uh, by, so by the time I saw him, he wasn't really much in his prime anymore. And he was basically just doing, he was a high level jobber on WCW Saturday night. Yeah. And this was, this was what, year one, year two for Steve Austin. So this was really early on in his career. Yeah. Very early. Like I, you know, I, I, it never even occurred to me that this stuff that he had did early on was televised. But I mean, obviously it was, but it just never really, uh, never really clicked. So I really need to go back and watch, um, uh, a lot of this just because I, I, I love Steve Austin. I was a big Steve Austin fan, uh, from his work, uh, in WCW, uh, his, um, you know, basically everything that he did. I, I, I think he's, uh, I think he's a great talent. He's one of my all time favorite wrestlers. Um, so it's a chance to go back and see some stuff that I haven't watched before. Yeah. It's definitely uh, cool to go back and see him before he was stone cold. Like yeah. when he plays like a typical heel and everything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, I mean, overall, overall, what did you think of the show? I thought it was a decent show. Uh, I didn't, it didn't pain me to watch it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, the episode before last when I watched, when we watched <laughs> the WWWF show was physically painful <laughs> to me. And this wasn't. Yeah. But of course, it was also shorter. Yeah, I think that helped. I think that definitely helped <laughs> to keep my attention. I, I like to focus on shorter shows. You and I have talked about this. I like to focus on some shorter shows so it's easier to turn these episodes around because, of course, there's a time investment for us because we have to go back in and take notes and, and everything. So uh, I, I think next week we can talk about a, a short show as well. Um, but, uh, it, 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 yeah, I, I liked it. It was uh, entertaining, and it, it, was, it felt – I don't know. It felt – like comfortable, like uh, a pair of uh, comfortable shoes because it was like stepping back into um, like my childhood and watching wrestling that I remembered. Even though I didn't watch this specifically, it was very reminiscent of the stuff that I did watch. Uh, when I finally got around to watching uh, USWA, it was uh, mid-90s. It was uh, after this, and um, I watched it on satellite, but it, it was still the same comfortable kind of feeling that this was, and I, and I enjoyed it. It's a, it was a much simpler time. Actually, well, maybe not a simpler time, but it was a simpler presentation uh, compared to some of the more complex stories that you might get somewhere else. Okay. Uh, Memphis itself, uh, I think, was – Memphis, uh, the presentation was much more straightforward. Yeah. Well, definitely, yeah. You had two guys feuding over a 
a trumpet and a uh, guitar, <laughs> guitar, yeah, <laughs> and then a, two other guys, two women feuding over pulling each other's hair. Yeah, that's just yeah. that's all you needed. That's all you needed back then. So let's see here. Uh, next week, uh, let's talk about the first episode of Nitro. Oh, the first episode of Nitro. That brings back some good memories. That was what nineteen ninety five. Uh huh. Okay. Yep. So we see we'll Nitro. See that yeah, that's a lot of fun. I was li- uh, recently listening to uh, Bruce Pitt- uh, Pritchard's podcast on the Lex Express, so that's that's uh, fresh in my memory. So this, <laughs> that was that all led up to this. So uh, it'll be fun talking about that. So, JT, how do people get a hold of you? You can get a hold of me at www.tfradio.net slash H-O-G-G, and you say that second G with a smile. And that takes you to your Facebook fan page, right? Yes, and uh, I'll be uh, – I'm going to try to be more active on Twitter. I know uh, Twitter's pretty popular with the kids nowadays. and uh, I think kids are on Instagram, dude. We, we are behind. Am I behind? <laughs> Doesn't surprise me. Yeah, uh, like I've been saying that I've been trying to get use my Instagram account more, which is at TF Podcast. Actually, I think also at Brian Kilby as well. I think I have two accounts. Man, I'm about to learn something new again, darn it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, I don't even know how to send a message on uh, Twitter yet, so I'm I'm really behind. Yeah, well, you know, you'll figure it out. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at bkilby. I'm on Facebook at facebook.com slash uh, B. I think. Actually, is that how you get a hold of me on Facebook? Uh, you can follow me there. I post a lot of crazy crap. Uh, that's not me. <laughs> You've uh, been sending people to a different Brian Kilby. I have been. Uh, I am at facebook.com slash Brian Kilby. You can follow me there. I, I do most of my posting on Facebook. But today I've been tweeting up a storm. So uh, maybe, you know, on Twitter as well, at bkilby. And, uh, again, my Instagram account is uh, Brian Kilby. And my – B-R-I-A-N-K-I-L-B-Y. And you can follow all of our Transformers podcasts and everything else at uh, on Twitter at TF Radio. At Facebook at facebook.com slash TF Radio. And I will start posting to Instagram again, which is at TF Podcast. And just remember, there is a connection between wrestling and Transformers. Those uh, uh, MicroMasters. Oh, MicroMaster Wrestling. Yes. <laughs> uh, that was like issue 51 or something of uh, the Marvel Transformers comic. I think. I'm probably wrong. Let me Google it real quick. Uh, yeah, I'm wrong. It was, uh, but, you know, it was somewhere around there. <laughs> Okay, cool. Well, uh, JT, we'll uh, talk to you next week uh, when we'll be talking about uh, Monday Nitro Episode 1. Thank you out there to everyone who is listening to Take 4 Wrestling. Please subscribe to us on iTunes and tell a friend we could really use your help. It would be awesome. We'll catch you later. Have a good one. (laughs) 